the reading to, for today is from Ephesians chapter 2, 11 to 22, reading from the New International Version. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once, who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside his flesh in the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Morning, everybody. Seems a long time since I was up here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's good to be back. Can I lead us as we pray together? Let's, let's pray. Father, it's good to be amongst your people. And uh, as we've been reminded of all through this week, God is indeed good. He's good. In all circumstances and situations, you never change. We do. But you want us to be changing more and more to be like your son. And that's our prayer, even today as we meet together. Lord, help us to be more like Jesus. Be amongst us, do your work that only you can do, precious God, we pray, as we commit our time to you now. Open our eyes, our ears and our hearts to all you want to say and do. Give us the courage and the humility to change in your power and by your strength and grace, we praise Jesus. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Um, well, you may remember before uh, Rose and I went overseas on holidays. Um, and by the way, I would recommend Scandinavia. If it's not on your list, put it on there <laughs> if you can. It's a beautiful place. Uh, magnificent to see God's creation, it's just awe. And the awesomeness and the splendour of, of uh, what he's done is just amazing. It's good to get away. 
Good to come back too. But anyway, before we went away, you may remember that we commenced a series in the book of Genesis, starting from chapter 1. Um, and as far as I know, I think we're going back into Genesis later on as well. But I wanted to, on that basis, I wanted to try and get you to think back um, as to what you heard as we went through chapter 1 and 2 and so on. And I want to do this little exercise with you. Now, we don't normally do this in this church. I know we're kind of a bit reserved and a bit shy, but I, I want to do this little exercise here. And it's this. I just want you to think back as to what you think the, the whole scene would have been like for Adam and Eve to be in the Garden of Eden in that time and place before sin came into the world. In one or two words, just yell out, what do you see? What's the picture in your mind as to what that place would have been like? Adam and Eve, in that place with God, before sin came into the world. What, what just a word, two words, what do you think? What words come to mind? Harmony. harmony. Fantastic word, thank you. Harmony. Yep, it's easy to say, harmony. Love, thank you. Love, harmony. Very good, very good. Paradise. Paradise. Come on, you're a bit, you're a bit quiet on this side. Peaceful. Oh, peaceful, peaceful. <laughs> We're going to see that word peaceful a lot, actually. In this, someone over here. Unity, beautiful. Thank you. Anything else? Would you like to have been there? Hey, yeah. And and look, really, the paradise that we have to look forward to if you're in Christ today, is going to be far surpassing anything that Adam and Eve experienced, I believe that. How does it go? Ear has not heard, eye has not seen, nor has it entered the heart of man, all the things that God has prepared for those who love him. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? But yeah, those words, beauty, goodness, fellowship, communion with God, uh, togetherness, freedom, enjoyment, fulfilment, and we could just go on. You know, I wanted us to think about that and think about those words because this morning, as we continue this mini-series, I think it started last week, this mini-series in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I just wonder if you noticed any of the words when that scripture was read to us this morning, did you notice the kinds of words that came out of that passage from chapters, uh, chapter 2 from verses 11 to 22? You may have noticed if you were thinking and looking at this scripture, hmm, those words are a little bit different to the ones that we've just described as, you know, describe what the Garden of Eden would have been like before sin came into the world. Hmm. I mean, for example, the words that we heard in that passage, which we'll be looking at a little bit in this morning, words like separate, excluded, foreigner, alien, barrier, hostility, without hope, without God bit of a contrast isn't it what a contrast those words are and those descriptions are that we find between what we just see now in this scripture and what we know and what we read about in in Genesis for example what an incredible contrast there are between those kinds of words so here's a question what changed what changed Or should I ask, who changed? And here's a little hint, it wasn't God. You see, the Bible makes it very clear, doesn't it? Very, very clear. That because of mankind's disobedience to God, sin entered the world, and therefore separation from God, and hostility toward God, and death 
resulted. And if you happen to be here at Kids Club, you would have heard all of this mentioned at Kids Club, which was fantastic. We also know from the Bible, from God's word, that God hates barriers. He hates separation of people from himself and from each other. God hates sin and what it did to his precious creation. In particular, what sin did to his image-bearing human beings who walked with God and talked with him in this perfect harmony. And it was. It was really called the perfect harmony, surrounded by God's amazing and perfect creation. I think as John said, and remembering what Genesis says, as God created everything, he looked at what he said, and he said, it is very good. So my dear friends, are we not so glad that God chose not to leave us in that state of hopeless separation and condemnation? Are we not forever grateful for his John 3.16 promise that I trust that we all know and memorise and know so well and are able to share it with the people around us who are looking for hope in their hopelessness? You know, in verses 11 and 12 here in Ephesians 2, the Apostle Paul describes a frightening scene of the condition of our humanity, specifically here about the Gentiles, the Gentiles or those who were non-Jews. In fact, uh, if we go back further, in verses 1 to 3 of chapter 2, Paul actually describes the condition of all humanity, of Jew and Gentile alike, and that we, are be, that we are dead in our transgressions and sin, the whole lot of humanity, Jew and Gentile. John Stott, um, he describes verses 11 and 12 as this. He says this. He says it's a portrait of an alienated humanity or what we once were. What we once were. Look at verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly... You who are Gentiles at by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Just a little note here. So the words uncircumcised was a deliberate insulting term. It was a contemptuous term used to describe the Gentiles by the circumcision or the Jew who bore the outward sign given to Abraham by God, signifying their membership of God's covenant people. However, and I think it's important here to see this, that when Paul uses those terms, when he uses these terms in his letter, he certainly does not imply any contempt or insult. But instead he adds those words. Look at them in brackets. You've got them there in your scripture. Those words, which is done, talking about, uh, talking about circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. And here Paul is really declaring, I believe, the unimportance of these names or labels, indeed of the ritual itself, 
in the context of the new covenant, which we've just been remembering and celebrating this morning. Because as he also says, for example, why do I say that? Because of this. Look what he says to the Colossians in chapter 2 and verse 11. He says this, In him, or in Christ, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands, but your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. And isn't it a lovely little note? Just just consider this fact for a minute. God is more deeply concerned as to what you are in here and what happens in here than he is in what happens externally to you. He's more interested on the inside than he is with the outside of you as a person. That's why we need to say, Lord, search me. Know my heart. See if there be any hurtful, wicked way in me. We ought to be praying that, folks, ourselves. Search me, Lord. Don't not search her, search him. But Lord, search me. Me, Lord. Because he wants to see you. He wants, he's interested in what's happening in your life, in your heart. No one else can see that. He can. And he wants you to peel it back so he can see it. And you can say, Lord, anything hurtful, ungodly, unchristian in me, get rid of it. Because it's hurting you and it's grieving you and it's hurting the relationship that I have with you. So search me and know me. Because Christ has done this work of circumcision. He has separated you from the world by his spirit. He's made you a special covenant person. What an awesome God. Paul continues in verse 12 and he says, Remember... But at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and a foreigner to the covenants of the promise. Oh, what are, these are tragic words. Without hope, without God in the world. And Paul's, describe, Paul's description here, he describes a, a desperately hopeless and miserable position that the Gentiles, that's you and I, were once in. The Bible Knowledge Commentary describes the scene in verse 12 saying, the Gentiles were in a desperate situation. They had no meaning, no hope, no purpose or direction in in life. They were outside of the covenant. Covenant was with God's people, the Jews. We were external to that. The Gentiles were in a desperate situation. They had no meaning, hope, purpose or direction in life. Now, when you think about it, really? Isn't this also a relevant description of the world that you and I live in today? Isn't it? I don't know about you, but I was like that once. Honestly, I had no meaning. I had no hope, no purpose, no direction. Angry, without hope, without God. That's what I was like. And I'm pretty sure that you were as well. You know, and we live among those who are exactly like this today. And I would say this, I I even wonder if I'm speaking to someone here this morning. And you're in that category. 
you describe your life in that very way as I once did and as others once did that are here today if you're here and you describe yourself like can I just ask you and can I say thank you that you're here thank God that you're here please keep listening because God's got a word for you Bible commentator Albert Barnes in a kind of poetic way he says this he says what is man in this beautiful world without God a traveler to eternity without God standing over the grave without God an immortal being without God such is the state of man by nature such are the effects of sin and again this is what I was and this is who you were before the saving love of Christ reached down by his mercy and grace opening our spiritual eyes that we should see our wretched and desperate plight and then cry out to God save me Lord I need you Lord I don't like what I see I don't like what I am but I like what I see in you save me from this wretched human flesh Lord I wonder if you prayed a prayer like that also in verse 11 Paul says therefore remember therefore remember and again in verse 12 he says remember now I think it's also important it is important to understand that we're not called to remember the sins and lawless deeds that we once indulged in and were once enslaved uh, enslaved to and, and but now are forgiven of I don't believe Paul is asking us to remember those things from the past because God himself says and he promised that he would not remember those things from us look at this scripture here particularly the last part of the verse look what God said through Jeremiah 31 34 no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord now look at this for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more now God chooses not to remember our sins and transgressions through the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us isn't that an amazing place to be so we're not called to remember our sins and transgressions those things that would bring shame and guilt Satan wants you to by the way he would always dredge up the past to condemn you but the Holy Spirit of God doesn't do that he reminds you of the cross and of the shed blood of Christ but we are called we are called to remember the fact that once we were separated from God once we were separate once we were alienated from God we are called to remember that state that we were once in and then as we remember I believe that we ought to then be so to remember with jubilant joy and celebration and gratitude God's amazing grace toward us Lord I was once lost but now I'm found Lord thank you Lord I was blind but now I can see 
We can remember the past separation, but now I've been reconciled to you, and I'm a child of God. I'm part of your family. But Lord, once I was lost and desperately, you know, without you, without hope, under your condemnation, but now I'm a new creation. Can I ask you, do you know this truth in your own life? Not to know about it, but do you know it as a personal reality in your own heart? You know Jesus, and you can say to him, Lord, once I was lost, but now I'm found. Praise your marvellous, wonderful, unspeakable name. And you know, the tragedy for so many is... That because of this gospel of Christ, because of this gospel of peace, listen, there is absolutely no reason nor excuse for anybody to be in that place of hopelessness or separation as many of them are today. Jesus has done the work. He said it is finished. His blood completely washed away every sin and condemnation. We're set free. The gift is available to everyone. Whosoever, let them come. So there's no excuse, there's no reason for any human being on this planet to be in that place where they are still separated from God. Isn't that amazing? That's why you and I have been given that commission. Go into the world, preach the gospel. Teaching people what I've commanded you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it is tragic. But there's no excuse for anybody to be separate and cut off from God because of what Jesus Christ has done today. And also because of this verses 13 to 18. Look at this. Paul now aims to remind his readers that what we once were, what was once a hopeless existence for them, is now a hope-filled reality. What was hopeless is now hope-filled because of what Christ has done. Look, verses 13 to 18. Beautiful words. But now, once it was like that, but now in Christ, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Look how many times the word peace is mentioned here. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross in which he put to death their hostility, he came and preached peace to those who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. What an awesome passage that is. That's so full of amazing truth. Can you see? Can you simply see how the Lord Jesus Christ has made all the difference to humanity? What a difference he's made in your life if you love him here today. What a difference. The God who hates barriers, the God who hates separation from his precious and prized creation being you and me, 
He did something about it by sending his son to die on the cross, bearing our sin and our judgment that we deserved. Christ bore instead of us. Not only to reconcile humanity to himself, but Jew to Gentile, Jew and Gentile to each other. Warren Wiersbe, he explains a little bit of it like this. He says, he says this. He says, there was a wall in the Jewish temple, a wall in the Jewish temple, separating the court of the Gentiles from the rest of the temple areas. Archaeologists have discovered an inscription from Herod's temple, and it reads like this. No foreigner may enter within the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuring death. Barriers, separation. He goes on, he says this, in order for Jews and Gentiles to be reconciled, this wall had to be destroyed and this Jesus did on the cross. The cost of destroying the enmity was the blood of Christ. When he died, the veil in the temple was literally torn in two and the wall of separation, figuratively, was torn down. All because of what Jesus did. Aren't we so grateful for the Lord Jesus Christ? C.H. Spurgeon, in his reflections, and I've loved reading some of his stuff um, he says this he says the distance was infinite the nearness is intimate the blood of Jesus works marvels it annihilates distance breaks down partition walls and transforms aliens into sons and may I add daughters as well <laughs> This is what he's done. And Jesus Christ, Christ the Prince of Peace, became the peacemaker between us and God and between Jew and Gentile. For again, as Paul reminds us, he says this in verse 18. He says, for, though, for, sorry, for through him, we both, both groups, both peoples, have access to the Father by the one Spirit. So in other words, regardless of race, culture, background, language or gender, through faith in Christ, we all have access by the one spirit to God the Father. Because God hates barriers. He hates separation. He created a world where none of those things are even in his vocabulary. And now he's done something about it through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, have you got any barriers between yourself and another Christian here today? Hmm? Uh, that's between you and God, but I, I just wanted to, I felt prompted to ask that. Have you got any barriers? Is there anything that you've kept back or anything that you're, you've got against a brother or a sister in this church today? You're doing this. You're walking past someone saying, oh, I'm not going to say good day to that person. That's grieving the Spirit of God. Jesus separated all that. Jesus stopped that. I mean, he broke down the walls of those hostilities and those barriers. So why have you got them up? 
Paul says, Paul says it like this in his letter to the Corinthians. He says, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, he says, For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Hey, can we do that in our church? Just say, thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit, the one spirit we all drink from you. You are the author of life for us all. Why do we have barriers? I'm going to say more about that in a minute. And in verses 19 to 22, Paul brings a conclusion to this section on Christian unity. In these verses, he says, starting from verse 19, he says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with, Je with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Aren't these amazing words? Beautiful words. Drink them in, brother, sister. Verse 22. <coughs> and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And that word consequently that we read in verse 19, the word consequently has the effect of, of actually pointing us back to what was said in the previous verses and then with, with, with humble gratitude to God linking us to what follows. And, that's, and that is that the God who hates barriers and separation that kept us from him, that, that kept us from each other in Christ has removed these barriers. You know, and, and as I, and I've been saying too, that the danger for us is that by giving in to our wretched, sinful human nature that we still cohabit with, isn't it amazing how Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. And then he, at the end of that, in, 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 I think it's Romans 8, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. No, Romans 7, isn't it? Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, he says. So he still knows he's dwelling with this wretched human nature, and so do we. And the danger for us is if we give way to this, if we give way to this carnal thing that we still live with, that we will set up barriers and separation from one another. What Christ has ripped down, we can set back up again. That's pathetic, and that's wrong. I want to read shortly um, some, some words from what John Stott says. And he says this to the Christian church in his conclusion to this passage. I just thought it was pretty hard-hitting, but I think it's fantastic for us all. And I want to read that shortly. But first, I just want to read this reflection again from C.H. Spurgeon. And he says this. I think I've got it up on the screen. Read it with me in your heart. The saints of God... Are, no, uh, are not so many loose stones, but they are parts of a building. And it is for each one of us to fill his place in the church for the good of others and the glory of the Lord who dwells within his church as a king in his palace. Let us remember this and seek above all things to promote the unity, edification and holiness 
of all our brethren in Christ. Hey, can you say amen to that this morning? I only heard a few. Oh, that worries me. Can we say collectively, amen, Lord? Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. And look, if it's your desire, if that's the desire of your heart, you can lift your hands too and say, Lord, please use me. Do it. Make it happen, Lord. Make it happen in my heart. Don't point to someone else and say, make it happen to them. You say to God this morning, make it happen in my heart, Lord. And you know what? He will. He will. Because that's the sort of prayer he loves to answer. Because God hates barriers. He hates separation. What barriers have you set up before him? What barriers have you set up with some other believer? Why have you separated yourself? Christ has done a work to pull all that down. You know, in conclusion, I just want to read some words of conclusion written by John Stott, the late John Stott, in his commentary on this. Now, as I said, some of the words might be a bit hard to hear, but I'm going to ask you to have a, a humble heart and just listen and, and ask God, Lord, are you speaking to me about this? Reflect on what John Stott says and ask the Lord to help you. Help us, Lord, to apply what we've heard to you, heard from you today as we close this. Let me, let me just read some of these things. And I'd also ask that afterwards, as Pastor Charlie closes, that if you want to come forward for prayer, please come and look. Please pray for us as pastors. We'll pray for you, but please pray for us as well. Let me just read these words to you. And again, I'm asking you, don't shut the barriers up. Just say, God, are you speaking to me? Because I want to be right with you. And I want to be right with every brother and sister of this church. doesn't mean we always agree with each other, but I want my heart to be right with you and with that brother. I want to love that brother and sister. He, John Stott says this. It would be hard to exaggerate the grandeur of this vision. The new society God has brought into being is nothing short of a new creation, a new human race whose characteristic is no longer alienation but reconciliation, no longer division and hostility but unity and peace. This new society God rules and loves and lives in. That is the vision. But when we turn from the ideal portrayed in Scripture to the concrete realities experienced in the church today, it is a very different and very tragic story. For even in the church, there is often alienation, disunity and discord. And Christians erect new barriers in place of the old, which Christ has demolished. Now a colour bar, now racism, nationalism or tribalism, now personal animosities engendered by pride, prejudice, jealousy and the unforgiving spirit. Wow, you still with me? This is John Stott, the late John Stott saying these things. He goes and he says this. These things are doubly offensive. First, that they are an offence to Jesus Christ. How dare we build walls of partition in the one and only human community in which he has destroyed them. What is offensive to Christ is offensive also, though in a different way, to the world. It hinders the world from believing in Jesus. God intends his people to be a visual model of the gospel, to demonstrate before people's eyes the good news of reconciliation. 
He says, I wonder if anything is more urgent today for the honor of Christ and for the spread of the gospel than that the church should be and should be seen to be what by God's purpose and Christ's achievement it already is. A single new humanity, a model of human community, a family of reconciled brothers and sisters who love their father and love each other. The evident dwelling place of God by his spirit. Only then will the world believe in Christ as peacemaker. Only then will God receive the glory due to his name. I, I believe that's, there's some relevant stuff in there for all of us. Don't you think? And I think we need to do business with God. Hey, have the courage to do that. Don't switch off. There's some pretty, perhaps some really deep, entrenched prejudices and dislikes that you may have in your heart. Can I use an old Aussie term? Have the guts to release it to God. Would you do that? Have the good old-fashioned guts, the intestinal fortitude, if you like, to say to God, Lord, would you search me? Because I know there's stuff in here that's not right. And put it right with him. Put it right with your brother and your sister. There's the challenge for you. I didn't know I was going to preach on this. <laughs> this is the mini-series. So don't come to me and say, you, you were speaking to me. No, I'm not. God's speaking to you. I love you. I love you. And so does God, but he wants to do a work in your heart. It's up to you to let him do it. I want to pray, and look, if you'd like to come forward after prayer when Pastor Charlie uh, closes, that's up to you. But let's, let's get on with the business of loving, loving Jesus so much and, and loving his people. And let's see this place swell, because people are going to come and say, wow, this is something different here. This is a different spirit to what I'm used to out there in the world. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love and your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your, your amazing patience <clears throat> with us. Please do a work in our hearts, Father, and help us to be in that place where we can stand naked before God and not be ashamed because we know the blood of Jesus has cleansed us and, and, and removed all the barriers from us. Father, I'm not saying that we won't disagree with each other in certain ways, but there's a way of doing that that's honouring to you, and there's also a way that dishonours you. We want to be people who honour God, love God, want to love each other so much. Be there for one another. Be a powerful movement of God in this neighbourhood. So do your work, Lord. Do your work, and thank you that you will as we open our hearts to you in your most awesome, powerful and wonderful name. You've got the best. You're a good God and you've got good things for us. Help us not to deny ourselves by keeping back from you the stuff that we need to release and be cleansed from. We pray in Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. And God's people all said, Amen. amen. I heard a big amen. Thank you. As we finish off this service today,